0: Welcome to episode four of Let's Talk with Lee Peart. This week I'm joined by my fellow comedian and dear friend Stephen Bailey. I met Stephen many years ago. We were digging together on the Manchester scene where we both were starting out and Stephen has been smashing it with his career. In this episode we talk about his part in Coronation Street involving a scene with Audrey Roberts. We discuss his transition from working behind the scenes in TV to being in front of the camera and how a young man studying French ended up becoming a comedian and a presenter. He discusses his love for Holly Willoughby, the most horrific heckle he once received, and, of course, he gives me his mantra for life. Uh, Subscribe, rate it, do everything I've asked you to do, dears and more. I hope you enjoy episode 4. With the delightful, the darling that is, Stephen Bailey. Hello, um, I'm joined by Stephen Bailey. Hi. Ste- this is just going to be like a chat. Yeah, we're just going to slack I mean, off everyone we normally slack off. Well, yeah, well, just, I we can't so. say a few things. No. <laughs> <laughs> what, are the, what words are we not allowed on this show? Oh, you're allowed words, but okay. um, names. Oh, okay, we'll... It can't be like WhatsApp. No, okay, great. Um, welcome, thank you so much for coming. Comedian? Yes. Presenter? Sometimes. Actor? Once. <laughs> it was literally once. I can't act Lee. I'm a terrible... They asked me to play a version of myself. Oh, didn't you do that for Coronation Street? Yeah, for That's Coronation Street. That's what the acting was? Yeah. I'd never acted before or since. Really? So <laughs> well it went. So you, you <laughs> you could say you were method because you were just being yourself, but well, maybe not method because you weren't good at it. Maybe it was just like, they ended up throwing out the script and was like, just do you. And then... Tell me, I think I saw a clip of that. Did, didn't you do something with Audrey and there was a mic drop? Yeah. So I had to do, I hosted the hairdresser of the, year, the Weatherfield hairdresser of the year awards. Okay. Um... And Audrey got, like, the Lifetime Achievement one, and she was furious, because she was like, Lifetime Achievement, I've not finished yet. Oh, and okay. it was, it was like, her and a Rula Lenska storyline, <laughs> and I'm there trying to, like, soften it all down. But what I didn't know, because I've never done acting, is about continuity and stuff. So, like, if you do not on a panel show, if you do present it, and they're, like, just... If they do a retake, they're, like, just get the gist, and we'll yeah. chop it up and edit. This is kind of, like, how you hold your cup, how you hold... Oh, of course. The trophy, if you pick it up on the right hand, then all of a sudden have it in your left hand, and they shoot it six times to get all the different angles. And obviously I know about that, but I just didn't even really give that much consideration to, like, how high you're holding a trophy. Like, no, your arm was higher, and it's like, oh, I wouldn't have even... Do they have a person looking at that? Yeah, so I think they've got people in the gallery, and then you've got, like a first AD or whatever on, yeah, on the floor. Yeah, assistant director. Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> they just shouted at you, be like, Eva, I've never been clicked at so much for my life. Not since I've worked at Sainsbury's. So you arrive at Coronation Street. Thrilled. Not, I was going right. to say, like, if you weren't, if you didn't want to be an actor, it still must mean something. Well, for me, it was always, because just because like the agency I'm with is like a comedy arm I'm representing now I'm an actor now I and mean, you can kind of get an yeah. agent in each segment and... I met the acting lady. And she's just really nice. And I was like, mm, I'm not really a big actor. Like, even if I was wrote a sitcom, I wouldn't want to be in it because I'd want the show to work. And so, <laughs> <laughs> um, I but I was like, the only thing I have on bucket list is as a northern boy. And I've always like I grew up in that mentality of you know when you had like your tea with your family but not around yep. the table on your lap in front of the telly watching the soaps. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like every day at seven. Corrie at 7.30, He East Senders at 8, Curry at seven Corrie at 8.30. Because I grew up with that, so it's just like, oh, I'd like to do Coronation Street because it's the only thing my mum would have heard of. Like when you're like, like yeah. I'm I would have thought, of, I would have thought of my grandma as well. Like, yeah. My grandma would love that if I was in Corrie or something. Exactly that. Like when you're doing, like, um, like what have I done? When my mum just had like no inkling, I'm like, mum, I'm doing roast battles. She's like, all oh, right. No. Like, just no interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Oh, amazing. So you get there, mm-hmm. you presumably, do you have a script read through or do you just, you sent the script? No. So you're sent the script in advance and they do it very old school through the post. Oh, so it was like courier delivered. Ding, ding, Hello. Wow. Scripts here. And that was really exciting. Um, so that gets sent to you like weeks in advance. And I was mid filming something else. So I had to remember to like, take my script with me, learn it, like get there and everything. And you arrive, you go in and it's kind of like you are go in to any job. Like, you go in, there's a reception, they call someone to come and get you and you go down and there's, there's like the quickest rehearsal. It's basically rehearsal take like that. Really? Yeah, within the same five minutes. Five minutes? Like you go, so say in that one scene you've got your three lines, you do it and it's like, right, now we're going for a record. You're like, And do they... Because I always worry... I did a bit of uh, kind of camera acting at uni, but I didn't Mm. do a lot. I didn't choose that as a module. But I always worried about your marks. Do they say, like, you have to be in this mark here? You have to find this place, like... Kind of. It didn't feel like... Because I've seen it on TV before where they literally have, like, a green cross. Like, you've got to look up, but know where your green cross is. Yeah, There wasn't that, unless... I was just oblivious to it. but <laughs> I was only there for two he was days. You're too worried about how yeah. you were holding the trophy to like see the cross. They do two. They do an episode a day, so it's all. So if you think about the turnaround, one episode. Yeah. So because mm-hmm. we've got scenes going over on this part, scenes happening in yeah. this part, and yeah. um, so it's very, very. Quick, no nonsense, no fanning around. Did you ever go as a kid, which I did, to the tour? No, I would have loved. Oh, that okay, so I did, and I remember they were filming during that tour. They were filming. Do you remember um, Gayna Faye? I can't remember who she played. Yeah, she and the died wall at a fella. Yeah, well, I was there, babes. If you ever see that episode, seven-year-old me is stood on the other end of the wall. Do you think it's why you're a bit dramatic? A little bit. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> the gain of phase death. yeah. gain of phase death. <gasps> Every time I pass a wall, I'm like, this could be <laughs> it. <laughs> um, so you, are primarily, I know you as a comedian. That's yeah. how we met. Mm-hmm. A few years ago now. Yeah. Well, I've been doing it like eight or nine years. A, cu- a question that I want to ask, because I know everyone will want to ask this, and they always ask this to a comedian. How did you get into comedy? Okay, um... It's a bit of a weird one. So I'd moved, I'd, did a degree in French. I've never performed in my life until I was a comedian. I was never at local theatre, didn't do drama at school. Really? Never did anything like that. And then yeah. I used to love, everyone always laughs at this the sunset. I never know why, I used to love Holly Willoughby on Extra Factor. And mm. I was like, she's got the best job in the world. She looks like she's really loving it and enjoying it. And I was like, wouldn't it be great to do that? And so I was like, how'd you do it? And I saw like Dermot and Holly had worked as runners in TV so, when I graduated, I had no idea, I had no plan. I didn't want to be a lawyer, I didn't want to be a teacher, I didn't have a set thing. I'd studied in Manchester, grew up in Manchester, never really left Manchester apart from like a year abroad that was part of my course. And so I was like, mm, maybe I'm going to go to London. And I just wrote to the head of every TV channel and basically told them off about nepotism. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know anyone, I don't know how it happens. How does someone have the chance to become a runner? I love TV, I want to be Holly Willoughby. And then just one person responded. I went and had a meeting with them. Was that the right stuff? Yeah, and then I got a job on the right stuff. I knew yeah. that, yeah. Sorry, I just ruined the end of your story then. No, no, that was the end of the story. And then while I was there, I was like, I'm going to be a presenter, I'm going to be a presenter. And then I just kind of cut down because we were in the same studio. with was like something for the weekend and T4. Yeah. And I just remember like looking at all the T4 presenters being like, you're so fit. I am never just going to get discovered outside M&S eating a fruit salad and be asked <laughs> to be a T4 presenter. So we're going to have to put some work in. And a few people were like, you're quite ridiculous with your stories. Have you thought about being a comedian? And I was like, have you thought about being a comedian? There's no way I'm going to be a comedian. I've never even watched comedy. Like, I wasn't a fan of like watching. Yeah. Like stand-up DVDs or whatever and I wasn't like I'd never been to a comedy club until I was performing in one Mm. so I was like oh not really and then I started watching Chelsea Lately on E and I was like oh she's a comedian (laughs) it just seems to say that she says what comes (laughs) into her mind and then I just signed up to an I bye love it. it's. No one else I has look, that story. I love the fact that a lot of comedians are like, you know what? I saw Billy Connolly once live, and I just thought this is it. You're like, I saw Holly Willoughby on the extra <laughs> extra factor, and then I watched Chelsea lately on E, and I thought this is my calling. Yeah, <laughs> I love that though. So you, the first gig, because yeah. I get palpitations thinking of my first gig. How were you? Do you get nervous? I've, I've, I've not gigged with you in a long time, but I can't ever remember thinking you were nervous. Yeah, I always go really quiet to a point yes. where people think I'm rude, but actually I'm just trying not to be sick. Mm. Like I'll be chatting to people afterwards and it's always worse if you've never met people. Yeah. Because I do get so nervous where it's like, I might cry. I might cry, I'll be sick and I just can't. And like you don't get in my head. Yeah? Yeah. And do you know, like, and comedians talk about comedy or what they're doing or whatever else else are doing or what this person is doing. And you're like, oh, I can't have this conversation right now. Like, I really, really can have it before I'm about to go on and potentially die a death. Um, and I don't know why I have that, but I think that nervous energy actually helped you have a good gig. But my first one, I had complete confidence because I'd never been on a stage before. Where was it? It was in a small pub in Leicester Square, and it only held oh, about. Okay, so it's 30, London. Yeah, it only held about thirty. It was 2011. And it only held 30 people and that was like it sold out. So they were really thrilled it was sold out. And (laughs) it was primarily like new comedians, like people doing like first, second, third But for anyone listening who hasn't done comedy before, (laughs) I I am going to tell you right now, 30 people on your first gig feels like a stadium tour. Like I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but you are like, whoa. Yeah, I just don't even know. And I just went in and I was like... These people here, and and the MC was really good. It was Kate Smirthway. Oh, yeah, she was really brilliant. And I was like, okay, they're laughing at her. They're gonna laugh at me. Was can I just clarify? Yeah. Was it a new act night, or was or were you the open spot? No, it was a new. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it was really, really brilliant. And then, but it just seemed to go well. But I think sometimes the problem with those new act nights is there's like a level of just people being kind yeah oh yeah like my first act my first set was about comparing my housemate at the time's vagina to a sunday roast Mm -hmm. because every sunday there'd be a different man leaving her room (laughs) and so i did that and she was with her boyfriend she came that night actually with her boyfriend at the time and their hands quickly separated (laughs) oh a breakup and then but after that it went terribly for me for about a year did it what comedy but I always consistently. Rem- yep, but I always remembered that first one. Cause I was gonna say, and I've said this to a few people before, I did comedy and I was like you. I wasn't massive a massive fan of it. Um and I did it and the first few went quite well and I always said, if they hadn't, I wouldn't have carried on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh so it's interesting that you knew you had that one gig and you hung on to that knowing that it could be well I don't like people telling me you can't do no yeah because I think that's what we spend too much time doing that's not like a preachy vegan way but it's just like in a I think in this country we're very guilty of going you can't because Mm. you had a bad gig that one time so you're just terrible and I don't think we allow for like growth or development and I think that's not just in comedy that is in anything it's like we're just very judgmental I think and I think we like to put people in a box and then we've made our decision and then life is complete and we can compartmentalize mm. and so but I have a really big beef of going and I, th- I genuinely think and you're going to judge me again it's from watching like Hilary Duff and Lindsay Lohan films don't growing up but, that. <laughs> but do you know what it's like because they're going believe in yourself anything can happen then they fall and they put themselves back up but we don't tell each other that in grown-up life. But Because I'd watched those films. I had that drummed into me for, like, mm. 20 years of just watching all that. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to pick myself up. And because I think if that first one hadn't gone well, I might have tried again if it had never got better. been like, oh, forget this, then it's not for me. But I think because it did, I was like, well, how do you get back there? How do you repeat that? And I'm going to show them and do it. And it was just little things. Like, my first gig was in, essentially, the corner. of us like, this room held 30 maximum. Mm. And so you can imagine how small it was. But then my next gig was at Up the Creek, which is like a massive theatre, clubby venue with an actual stage, with an actual spotlight where you're higher up in the audience. Never stepped on a stage before, ever. So I think I walked on that one and just shat myself. Yes. (laughs) So because I was going to say I did have the um, kind of the 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 experience. I I, even what people don't realise is how to hold a microphone. Yeah. I had all that because I'd done performance from an early age. I knew I, I'd held mics before. I'd hosted a couple of things. So I imagine going in blind like you did. Uh, it must have been... Well, there's half of me that goes. It must have been terrifying. But then I suppose, was it... I think the ignorance was a Yeah, yeah. Look. Did you kind of go, oh, well, I've never done this before, so I don't know how it's going to be. So it was like complete blindness, whereas I... ...went on thinking, oh, God, like, I, 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 almost like I was an imposter. Maybe. I mean, I have that imposter now, but... Oh, I think the best performers do. Yeah. But then back then, I think it was more like... I think I allowed myself to go, well, I genuinely don't know. So, like, you might have your have a degree, you might have been doing it for two years. Mm. I've done it for two minutes, so I didn't feel necessarily bad. Like, if I die now, which hopefully is less and less... But I feel really bad. But back then, but it always happens. Did you ever yeah. get to a point? Sorry to interrupt there, but did you yeah. ever get to a point where? Because I specifically remember one gig going, oh, this could be shit, and I'm okay with that. Do you still like? I, I obviously I don't want that to happen, but I got to a point where I thought, if this, if I die, then I haven't died in, in well, a weird way. You sometimes can't... I think. It's Because I used to have a bit of a beam my bonnet of going, if people are paid £10 a ticket, they have every right to have a good show. So if you're a political comedian and it don't work in that room, you change the material you do. They paid for a ticket, you deliver for that room. Mm. Da, 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 da. And that was a bit of a naive thought process. I still believe the audience have spent a money. Yeah. So oh, yeah. let your ego go and put an art to the side. Art to the side. But sometimes I do think I have got to a point now where it's like, no, sometimes it is them. And sometimes it's not even them and it's not you, it's the venue. It's how they've set yeah, it up, yeah. Have they give you a working mic, Have they put the first row of chairs, like, 10 metres away from the stage. Like, you forget how much it all comes together. And I now make my decision based on whether I was shit and I should be apologising or if it's them and you've got to let it go based mm. on how they welcome you to the stage. If they're like this, well, they're not up for a good night. So I can't change their whole personality. But well, sometimes it's the MC as well. Well, that's true. <laughs> but then if you're like, if if you come on, they're like, what? Like, for you to reach the mic, mm. I'm like, well, it's yours to lose. Yeah, yeah like, of course. So yeah. I think, so I've just got those little things in my head now where it's like, if they clap and you've not even reached the mic and they've given up, mm. and I'm like, well. You can't mean yeah, I just felt a kind of liberation where I I said, if this goes bad, it's not the end of mm. the world, where I used to just, I mean, I do want to, like, another question that everyone asks when you're a comedian is, yeah. oh, God, have you ever been heckled? Have you ever had bad gigs? You, like, we've all had bad gigs. Yeah. What, <laughs> what is one that stands out? I don't ever really get heckled, and I think it's... I don't! No. I think it's the gay thing. I do, as well, because I think men, uh, straight men... Are often intimidated by us. Yeah. Gay men feel like they have to get behind us anyway. But like, well, let's give them a chat. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> we'll that's after the show, mate. Yeah. <laughs> women think we're their newest accessories. So they already love us. Do you get women? I don't get heckles. I get women joining in. Like yeah. they're having a conversation with you. I get that all the time, but I quite like that. I don't mind yeah, that. Yeah, it's not malicious. I don't really discourage it unless they're like drunk and start like changing the conversation. Yeah, like, no, no. You can join in with what I'm saying, but we're not listening mm-hmm. about your cavalry this afternoon. But. Um, the only time I had a head cut, it was quite an awful one. I didn't know what to do with it. It was in Edinburgh. And um, I went out and I was like, doing a bit. And I went, just out of interest. Um, where are my gaze? And this voice at the back of the room just went, dead like they should be. Oh. And I was like... Dead like they should be? Yeah. And I was like, right. And the, oh, I, what did the room do? The whole room just kind of like retreated within themselves. Like... <gasps> And I felt like, oh shit, like I just didn't have the tools to deal with it. I was like, what do you even, even now actually when I think of that heckle, I'm like... I don't know what, what I'd say to I that. I still don't know what I'd say to it now because I think I'd have to get serious for a minute and then try and bring it back up because yeah, you, I, I ignored it and I was like, ah, and carried on and that didn't work. And I don't think you can... I don't think you want to speak to that person. It's not like a drunk person's being like, you're, yeah, you're it's... fat or you're shit, like where you could play with them a bit. Like, well, what do you do? It's like, oh, you, you might just be a bigger and have other things You videos. might actually want to kill me. Yeah, so I think now, I don't know, maybe I'd just be like, okay, well, we can't all think like him, but... Any other homophobic... I don't know. I don't really know yeah. how to do it. It's a tricky one, It's a, an, tricky, it's one, a tricky one, that one. When somebody's small-minded, that's hard. Yeah. If they're pissed and just been like, you shit, you can try and get back with that one. Be like, yeah. I once had, at the comedy store... Manchester. Yeah. Um, nice boots. <laughs> 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 or, or nice shoes, and they were boots. Okay. I think that's what I said. I was like, they're not shoes, they're boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it was... <laughs> It was so weird because my boots, were, my, my boots were quite nice. I thought, and it was just the 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 weirdest thing to shout, "Nice boots!" It, it, and it does throw you sometimes, where you are like, "Okay, um, thanks." It's I mean, been... I love how I'm like regaling mine like nice boots, and you're getting gays should be dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just weird, is that what I found? Sometimes really works with a good echo though. It's just like a, what I call a drag queen eye roll. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 can't be bothered with it and then carry on. I find that works sometimes. Yeah, oh yeah, just being um, dismissive to them. Yes. Like, you're beneath me. Yeah. Because um, are you quite high status on stage? I, I would yes, say, yeah. I self-deprecate, because yeah. I feel like oh, if you can't gosh. laugh at yourself you have no business laughing at every... Like, if you want to go after everyone else and be yeah. like, the world's stupid at the minute, you have to call yourself stupid first. Of course. And I think a lot of gay comedians are quite self-deprecating, but also have to be high status. Yeah. Because you almost feel like you have to go out there and and own it. Do you feel like with gigging, as a gay comic, it's different now than it was a few years ago? And I'm not talking about your ability, I'm talking about audiences' sensibilities. I've not really noticed a difference, really? positive or negative, but that's just my personal experience. Um, I and I there's some ways I still find it a bit. Do you know, like the front, the rows you can see when you're on stage. So maybe the first two or three. Mm. I do find, you know, because of how I walk and hold myself, and do it, it's very clear that I'm a gay man. Exactly. Like, so, so yeah. So I do find like men. I don't know what it is, like, arms fold straight up a bit, mm. and then you have to win them over. But they're never rude, they're never malicious, but they get this sort of... Is that a match? I don't really know what it is. I always thought it was kind of... For me, I could walk into... I've got what you call gay, gay face. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you do. Um, <laughs> thank yeah, you. you. Um, so everyone generally knows. And for me, in comedy, and actually sometimes in, in just general life, you have to get the elephant out of the room straight away. You have to let them know that you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even though it's painstakingly obvious, they don't want to be the ones going, he's gay. They wait for you to kind of say it. Yeah. And so I do, I think that arms fold, bring the chest up a little bit, like, oh, let's just wait in case, yeah. you know, it is a little bit like that. And the minute you go, oh, I'm okay with myself and this is who I am, they're like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true as well. Because, like I say, it's never been malicious. And once you're funny, which is the aim of the game, yeah. they relax. Yeah. And then they're finding into it. But I do think sometimes, I'm like, gay comedians should get a little credit from other comedians about this. Mm-hmm. Because no one else talks about it. And I find sometimes, you know, like, because we talk about, uh, female issues and issues of race and comedy and diversity, sometimes I do get a bit like, no, guys, but we get it as well and we have to break a barrier down get everyone Excellent on board thing. and break through. And I don't think it is discussed as much. No, no, no way. But I, I do think that's true. Um, so I need to talk to you yeah. about your rising stardom. I don't know if that's true. I'm trash. I'm just getting trashier in a different way. No. So <laughs> you, what, your first TV gig, yeah. What was that? Uh, I think it was Big Brother's Bit on the Side. Big Brother's Bit on the Side, right? Said, and yes. how was that? So obviously you'd gigged for however many years. Most comics, mm-hmm. not all, but most comics know that that is the stepping stone. That is where your career gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. With a bit of TV credit. Like, how did that come about? Did you source that yourself? Did your agent get you it? No, that was from an agent showcase, actually. All right. Yeah, which... um, And I'm a fan of the show, which I think really helps on that show, because they stand out like a sore thumb. Like, I also watched Throne Cash, you know the Game of Thrones oh, so yeah. On? And you can tell the comic that's been booked because of maybe their profile or because they've done other things, rather than actually knowing what the show is, because mm. they ha- literally have nothing to say. So with that one... It worked really well for me because, because I was terrified. Like that was more terrifying than my first gig. Cause she got, okay, this TV, don't look up. Um, was it Ryland? It was Emma Willis, my first oh, one. Oh, was So it? she hadn't. It was the. I think it was the one just before she took over the main show. So was so Brian Dowland must have been hosting the, the main, main one. yeah. Oh, right, that was a while ago then. Yeah, yeah. and it was real. So I think it was 2014, and that was. Good, but it, like I say, it really helped being a fan of the show. As long as you had an opinion that everyone else in the room had or mm. a strong opinion of the show, I could go, do you know like when on the Jay Goodyear or whatever, yeah, then yeah, people yeah. Are like, great, he knows what he's talking yeah. about. And then you've got that level of authority again of going, oh, I don't know who he is, but he seems to know what he's talking about. So that was a good one for me. Mm. And now you've got, you've just finished hosting Celebs on the Ranch. Yeah. On Channel 5. Mm-hmm. so you've done Celebs on the Farm for yeah. anyone who hasn't seen it what is the premise so it's um, it's a weird one really because it is a reality show but it's not one where it's like they all have to live together in day and find each other it. it's kind of more of a competition actually mm-hmm. to find a brilliant new farmer that happens to be a celebrity because um, the only reality <laughs> elements are in it really is that it's celebs but it is more of a competition. Yeah, it's a bit of a reality, I guess, slash game show type thing. Yeah. Not, I wouldn't say game show, but yeah. No, totally, yeah. Yeah. It's a contest. But I can't It's like a bit it. like Great British Bake Off or exactly. something like that. Yeah. And I really like it because, because it doesn't have the dating element or people aren't encouraged to... I mean, we've had no one that has dated on it, but it's, it could happen because like, we're away for so long, but... We've never had that. No one's producing that. Yeah, no one's... It's never part of the show. And people are being judged by real farmers or, like, when we're on the ranch, it was real cowboys. So if you were terrible, there's no keeping in the favourite or the one that's got the most following of or course, the most famous. Yeah. It's like, if you're terrible, you're going. Or keeping in the one that's causing the most drama. Yeah. Um. So you you did the farm. That was set in the UK. Yeah. Where did you film that? Uh Pet near Hastings. Pet, mm. very appropriate. And then the ranch took you over to America, Arizona. Yeah. Wow. How long for? We went for. I think I was away for three weeks. I think they came for two weeks because they literally come the Thursday of filming. Oh, do they? So that yeah. So then they so don't get just to see anything they don't it. get to use. Yeah, to that's anything. good. Yeah. You got to get your lay of the land a yeah, bit. Well, you actually need to because you're getting round at all these words that you've never said before. You know, like cow conforming, and you're like, you're not, <laughs> I'm still not entirely sure what that means, but i said it a lot. <laughs> like, um, did you learn? So did, you must have learned kind of by osmosis. Loads of things about one farming and two cowboying. I guess. <laughs> Maybe so. you knew some of that Le- uh, uh, I've used the lasso before. But, and chaps. But, the one, <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I would say that I learnt was, um, kind of don't judge a book by its cover. Because when you're there, you do get that weird cabin fever thing and it becomes this different world. And especially on the ranch, this is the place that had no phone signal and we had limited Wi-Fi because we were dropped in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So you really just had each other, which the fam, you've still got signal and Wi-Fi and everything, so that's fine. Um... And, like, with the farm, there's a pub down the road, so if you want a pub, yeah, you have of course. a cider or whatever you can. Whereas with this, there was nothing. The closest shop was a two-hour drive away. Oh, right. And so it really... But what was nice was the whole just don't... Like, you go in and you have an opinion of Georgia from Love Island or Courtney from Tally. Yeah. And they can surprise you, actually. Yeah, of course. Which is quite nice, because you go, oh, people are just people. Mm. But we just see... they play a character or they become a character of themselves yeah and, of course you know like holly willoughby i think is a brilliant example because i think she's almost like a big sister or a mother depending on your age of itv and you like you watch her and she's warm and she's whatever but you know for a fact if you took her into soho she'd get shit face <laughs> with no, you absolutely but we don't see that side yeah of course um, and i think well maybe after the ntas or whatever but I think it's nice to you see. You're really her are eyes. obsessed with Hollywood. I'm obsessed with that. I, really, really I think that's that. on your bio, isn't it? It is. I think it's like Hollywood enthusiast, which you should probably take down if you want to get on this podcast. Have morning. you ever met her? No, I die. Would you? Yeah, are you going to introduce me? I, well, I don't you really mean... know her myself, but I've got I've, I've I've probably got contacts who could sort something. I'm going to put a public appeal out to anyone working at ITV listening to this. Please, it's one of those this is Stephen Bailey. I mean, he has been dying to meet Holly Willoughby. Please pledge £2 a week. She's not ready for it. She is not ready. Every time I'm presenting... When I was doing Slubs on the Fan for the first time, that was my first presenting, where you're not just sat there having to be funny or whatever. It's like you have to be a presenter. And every morning I would watch YouTube videos of her presenting. Oh, I, know. I love that. So if I'm terrible, it's because of Holly. If I'm good, it's because of Holly. Okay, Yeah. good. Um... So then, as well, we've worked recently, I wanted to talk about, because that's on Channel 5, but also on Channel 5 you've been having little guest spots on Ruth and Eamon's show, I want to talk about Ruth and Eamon, because I'm like I'm to Ruth and Eamon like you are with Holly Willoughby, I love them. I love them too. So you did a few spots on there, Do the Right Thing, Yeah, you went and travelled uh, around the country, was it? Yeah, I mean they literally like, just sent me like vox poppy yeah. things. But anyone doesn't know it's Latin for voice of the people. Is that really? Yeah, I, I didn't so. know that. Yeah, vox pop. Oh my god, you learn so much on this show. If it was French you would know. If it was French, I would absolutely <laughs> smash it. Um Yes, yeah, so you just went round and I mean some of the things they had to do, like Eamon really doesn't like people that <laughs> you're going to full stop then. Full stop <laughs> no but you know the people when they're like walking and texting then they bump into you and then they have the audacity to like give you a dirty look yeah so i went out and purposely bumped into people on whilst using my phone to see what the reaction was and everyone does the same thing that eamon was saying which is they get annoyed quite mm. rightly and then we in, then we stopped people that were on their phone and was like do you know you nearly what, bumped into me
1: and Is that, that message didn't... so
0: important? Like, can't you wait till you get to the train or... And how do people react to that? Well, I think we're all actually aware. I think we're all aware of our phone usage and social media obsession at the minute. Well, I meant, sorry, more just some random person in the street with a camera oh. saying, hey, <laughs> most talk to you, some run away from you. Yeah. And some are drunk. Oh, okay. And my favourite are the drunks, but they won't show that. And then my favourite ones are the ones that wouldn't talk to you because I don't give up that easily so I would chase them down the street. <laughs> talk to me, talk to me. Put your phone down for a minute. Um, so what's next? Can um, you say anything? No. You still gig a lot. You still do your stand-up a lot. Yeah. Um, Which is something I've noticed, like, a lot of comics, when they move into TV stuff, they kind of do less and less, but you still actively do your evening gigs. Well, I think it's that thing of, one, I want to stay good. Yeah. Hopefully stay... Hopefully people think I'm good, so stay good. Or if you think I'm terrible, then stay terrible. But also, I actually do enjoy... I like doing new material. Mm. Um... I think it's a skill and it actually does help with presenting because you know if you're stood there interviewing El, and then he gives you like a little sassy remark you want to give a sassy one back mm. or so I think it helps with that and also like who knows when it could all end and you have to go back to the clubs yeah like what it, like you know my diary is full till August but What's September hold? Like, I might have to do the comedy clubs. Well, again. that's also... I mean, I think that's the worry of a freelancer. And actually, funnily enough, Eamon was talking the other day and said to me, every job he does, he thinks it'll be his last. Yeah. Or he, assume, uh, he assumes it'll be his last because he never takes for granted each job. No. Um, Are you really, really, really do not know because things for me have, like, cropped up, like, three days before I'm filming it. Things have gone away a couple of days before you're due to Mm. film it. And, you know, there are people that were around when we were growing up, for example, that you don't hear of now. And it's like, you can't live off thin air. And I think think it's a little bit that working class fear or working class guilt or whatever you want to call it, where it's like, the only person paying my rent is me. There's no big inheritance. Mm. I think some people get fortunate enough to, like, rest on their laurels a little bit and you know, there's a big inheritance coming their way or their mum can bail them out where it's like, my parents don't have a spare, like, grant to pay my rent if I can't make it. Of course, yeah. So, um, I think I always have that in my head as well, going, just keep earning. But I am trying to be more balanced at the minute and I never used to have any days off. Like, so i do my full-time job and do comedy and do all the bits in between that you do. Whereas, now I do try and have at least one full day off where it's like, I don't check an email. And it's really funny about that, actually, because I... Because people tend to be the ones that are chasing you, so like you're normally like, oh, is that going ahead? And can I chase that payment? Mm. And then they're out of office or they're not responding, and you take one day off, and people can chase you in that day. I find that baffling. Such Uh Stephen. I'm so happy that it's going well for you. Like you did, like you know, when you see comics doing well, and you think. God, they're such a knob. Yeah. Because like you met them. them before. <laughs> yeah. You're a knob, you don't deserve to do well, but you yeah. genuinely do. You're so lovely. Um I wanted to ask before we go oh, Yeah, what I ask on each show. Oh yeah. So Gloria's was she tries. Yeah. Gloria Honeyford's. We had Rory the vet on. He is absolutely stunning. Oh, really? Another yeah. public appeal for Rory the Bat. Rory the Vet. We're oh, taken man <laughs> now, babes, aren't I know. You? Back and look. Yeah, you can window shop. Yeah. Um, Rory's was, treat, be the person your dog thinks you are. You Love him yeah. more now. Nadia Suarez was, those who matter don't mind, and those who don't mind matter, or the other way around. Oh. Um, so, your mantra for life oh god does it have to be short and concise no well not necessarily mine would be don't be too hard on yourself because what's meant for you won't pass you by so sitting on facebook obsessing what everyone else is doing doesn't help you so don't be too hard don't be too hard on yourself stephen bailey thank you so much thanks lee let's go have a drink okay get pissed deal (laughs) (laughs)